25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. Exciting times because you all just heard our intro, which just wasn't on our last episode. So hope you guys enjoyed hearing Mike Todd return. Hopefully you guys didn't think anything inconspicuous is happening. I just, I think I uploaded the wrong audio file, which also big ups to us, like not having an episode where we needed to make any edits because that would have been big bad. Yeah, I was, because uh, as you all know, I'm the one that listens to all the episodes and I was very confused when, because normally when I'm listening, I've listened, I've been listening to a different show before listening to ours. And so the show previous had ended. So I'm like bracing myself because our intro is kind of loud and, um, and then it just didn't happen. And it was just like, hello. And I was like, huh? So then I went back and had to test it again. And then there was no outro music either. So I texted you and said, Hey, did we have a conversation about not using the yeah, we're actually intro outro it. music? We're foregoing it entirely. There is no more music on this. It's just the sound of our voice. And if you guys don't like that, well, I'm not going to say it because I've, I've wasted my first F word in the first minute and a half in the last two episodes. And um, well, there's no sense in that because I've got my Christmas tree up. So it's just happy vibes. I have a little one. I have a Hi, little, little one. one. I think I'm going to take it to work, but currently it is on my podcasting desk. So um, so we love that. A little bit of a forest here. I got it from the Target like $3 section. So I can't complain. She's very cute. She is. She is. It's, it's Thanksgiving week, y'all. Like it's time to eat. Hopefully y'all are ready for that because – the Blue Jackets are certainly going to have their opportunity to eat this week because they play a lot of hockey. They do. They do play a lot of hockey. And I had to, speaking of Thanksgiving, and this is, we'll get back on point, but they put out another one of those like hotline videos today um, mm-hmm. about this girl wanted advice about her. She wants to celebrate with her family, but her boyfriend wants to celebrate with his family And I just had to laugh at the realization that for basically 85% of the people that were in that video, of the players that were in that video, Thanksgiving is not a holiday that they celebrate. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they do here, like, now that they're in the NHL and, like, they're mostly in, you know, the United States, but, like... It's just funny, like the concept of them. And I, I've seen a couple of other like um, videos from other teams on TikTok where they're like asking them what their favorite Thanksgiving sides are. And I'm like, not all, not all of them do this. <laughs> like the Canadians have Thanksgiving. It's just not in November. It's like October, yeah, it's in like, like early October. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, they have it. So, I mean, maybe they can give some of that feedback about, like, whose house do you go to. But, yeah, it's fascinating to think about, like, just how, like, Americanized and, like, North Americanized a lot of these, like, promo packages are. Because it's, like, what do you think about cranberry sauce? And Karel Marchenko's, like, huh? <laughs> like, what do you What mean? is a cranberry? <laughs> Are you Russian? Is that your Russian accent? Yeah, it was terrible. That's okay. That's okay. You went for it in a way that I was afraid to. So kudos to you for that. But what? Okay, wait. Let's start the episode that way, though. Mm. If, if the NHL players are telling everybody what their favorite side dish is at Thanksgiving, I think it's time for us to do the same, don't you? Oh. You're going to be Beer mad because I have. That's kind of disappointing. Um, I. That would not be one of my choices, you as you know. Drinking an all oh. day all day IPA. Very right fancy. Very good. Tell, tell me I'm from Grand Rapids right now without telling me that I live in Grand Rapids. <laughs> me just drinking founders on you, Tuesday, Monday night. You have assimilated. Really Hasn't even been a year. Almost though. So close. Is so your stalling helping you to come up with a side dish? Um, no, I have one. Um, my favorite side dish is corn pudding. So when you say corn pudding, do you mean like the cornbread with like cream, like cream corn in it, essentially? No, because like, it's not corn, like you wouldn't pick it up with your hands. No, you still eat it with a fork, but it's like you use like Jiffy and like it's like cream corn, sour cream, like all that kind of stuff in it. Basically. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't have like it's more of like a casserole, less of a bread. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we I call it cornbread casserole. I don't call it corn pudding. We've always called it corn pudding or baked corn, I guess. This is the this is the difference, folks, between Central Ohio and Northeast Ohio. It's coming to blows right here, right now. Well, and so that's what they call it at City Barbecue, too. It's the same thing. Oh, the more you know. Mm. I had no idea. Corn pudding, I mean, it's really good. I I want to say it was, like, later in my life that that got introduced to our Thanksgiving. I Like, I think through, like, all of the years of, like, the, the menu. And I don't think corn pudding, cornbread casserole, whatever y'all call it. Let us know what you call it. I know I'm curious. Um, or if you even know what we're talking about in general. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll clip this audio and we'll make it a poll on our Twitter and we'll just figure it out from there. But um, but yeah, I think for me, oh man, I like it's one of those things where like I always make you go first so I can think about it and then I never do. <laughs> I think it's a classic, but like good mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about like I'm talking like standing over a sink for a half hour, peeling like a metric fuck ton of potatoes and throwing them in the pot, waiting forever for them to boil. And then like just going to town on them. Like that to me is like, there's nothing better than a potato that's been treated right. <laughs> Some of y'all don't treat your potatoes right. Some of y'all just don't treat your potatoes right. And it's a lot of people out here that have potatoes other than just mashed or sweet potatoes at their Thanksgiving I want to talk to you. What what would be the other kind? I've seen Thanksgiving recipes for like potatoes au gratin and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's maybe a Christmas dish. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that for the food at Thanksgiving is already because we're not macaroni and cheese people at Thanksgiving not, either. 
I never was either. And recently, my dad discovered that he has a son that can make homemade mac and cheese really well, thanks to the adaptation from your recipe, by the way. And so, and so, like, I've we've become a mac and cheese household only because my dad really enjoys that mac and cheese. And I think last year, I think we spent $40 on the various cheeses. Cause like, you know how that goes. Like you don't ever use all of them, but you need to buy all of them to be able to like, yeah, it's, it's not an inexpensive dish. Like it's, it's the way that crafts has ruined it for us in the same way that like ramen has ruined it for us, like instant ramen. Cause like if you go to get ramen, it's 20 bucks. Like it's just like nothing is as cheap as like the stores make you think it is. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I just we don't do a lot of cheesy stuff at Thanksgiving. Like um we have like, well, cause it's k- kind of like from where I'm from, but like we do like a trail bologna and cheese tray as like an appetizer i respect that you know for people that don't know it's like a bologna you know summer sausage type situation but it's specifically from this one place in ohio from where i grew up anyway um is that that troyer's is that is that the one that's near you or is that the one that's in newark uh troyer's is near us but this is like and actually, I think Troyer's is in no. Whatever, because it's the reason why it's called Trail Bologna is because it's made in Trail, Ohio. Oh. You just learned me something. I had no idea. Yeah. So there's like variations of it, obviously, because they're they're not the only people that make it. But the actual like trail bologna and cheese situation is trail bologna from trail ohio this is fascinating stuff i grew up in a very small place hey it says troyer's trail baloney oh then it must be troyer's that makes that is in trail this is so fascinating but like googlesburg makes their own this is so fun I'm learning so much. I hope you all didn't come here for hockey because you're getting trail baloney lessons tonight. And I'm not the tech. If it. you're a person that will, because not a lot of people, well, I don't know. I don't know how people feel about the texture of baloney, but like it has a really nice texture. Like it's firm. It's not like. It's more like weird. a salami. It's like, it's yeah. not like squishy, like baloney is to some people. And it's like really well spiced and it's great with cheese. And crackers. Yeah. yeah, especially. Okay, next question. What kind mm-hmm. of cracker is your go-to cracker for a trail bologna? Okay, so for me. <laughs> you were ready. You were so ready in a way that you. Well, because this differs in my family. This differs in my family. I am not, unless it's like on top of a casserole, I am not a Ritz cracker girly. Huh? I know. It doesn't make any sense. However, I love townhouse crackers. When you say townhouse, do you mean like the club crackers or do you mean like the like... No, the oval ones. Okay. Do you you remember the days of the... Oh, I don't know if they were called ridged or like what it was called, but they used to have like ones that like had ridges on it. And my mom and I always used to get the um, the chicken salad, the lemon chicken almond salad from Giant mm-hmm. Eagle with those crackers specifically. And it was literally... Are they the square ones? Are they rectangle? 
they're not square square they're they're kind of oval they might I don't be know they townhouse. Might no they are townhouse it's just like they're like they have like they had a separate one that was like townhouse but then there was like townhouse like ridges or whatever i keep wanting to say ribbed and that is the wrong product like that is the absolute wrong product <laughs> Not yeah, actually, it is. the wrong product. Um, mm-hmm. So, for those of you who are really wondering, uh, there is uh, Troyes Trebloni is one of the best examples of local fare we can recommend. Our Trebloni comes from the fourth generation of the Troyer family. Don't be fooled by imitators. There is only one Troyer's, Troyer's Trebloni made in Trail, Ohio, and sold exclusively by Ohio retailers. Look at us both being right. I mean, it's good shit. Like, it's and really I. I grew up in the heart of Amish country. I am not oh, Amish. Um, but it's just been a not like, and when I came to college, when I came to college at Otterbein, um, my group of girlfriends were fascinated by the fact that I grew up in Amish country. And so I was always being asked to bring stuff back to Westerville to take them up there. Like, so it's was an experience. Yeah, this is, this is the subjectively speaking PSA of the week. If you're the person that thinks that the superior place to buy your cheese is in Ohio, is at Grandpa's Cheese Barn in Ashland, you've got it all the way McFucked up. It's Heine's Cheese Chalet. 100%. Correct. My, one of my best friends lives literally right up the hill from Heine's. So let me know when she puts her house on the market because I'm interested. <laughs> But yes, and we're also the home of baby Swiss cheese. So, but I know Swiss cheese can be a polarizing subject for some people. Is it? That's fascinating to me because Swiss cheese feels so agreeable to me. Casey, my best friend, my other best friend, not the one that lives up the hill from the cheese house. Sure. Casey hates Swiss cheese. Huh. Like, and she's the only one of us out of the three of us, my little group from home who actually has like Amish blood in her and she Damn. hates Swiss cheese. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. The more, you know, the more, exactly. you know. but before <laughs> this was a trip before we yeah. end this, I want to give a special shout out to my, my dad does not cook very often, but he has a few staple things that he makes really well. And at Thanksgiving, he makes homemade cranberry sauce and it is my favorite cranberry sauce ever. My grandma makes really good cranberry sauce too. I have to say, like, I am sure that like Dolly or Joyce. Joyce. Um, she also used to make, and maybe somebody can help me with this. She also used to make oyster stuffing. Like oh, she was like little pieces of oysters in it. Yeah, like canned oysters fascinated me i never had it because i was always afraid of it she doesn't make it anymore so i kind of regret like missing that bus but like if there are people out there that does that regularly let me know how it tastes you weren't really a seafood person until like recently no i really wasn't and i still am like i still think it's not my preference unless i'm in a place where like it's the specialty to be honest like i'm just like not like it's fine I did hear that I am making your grandma Dolly's day this Thanksgiving, though. Oh, with pies? Mm-hmm. Your dad 
Your dad ordered her two favorites, apparently. My Buckeye well, pie. Let me guess. 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 Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Um, she loves the way you cut your apples. Yep. <laughs> one of them. Yep. And then your dad, your dad told me the whole story about how she loves the way I cut my apples for my apple pie. It's, I mean, it is unconventional, y'all. Like, I like have to say this, like, with all the love. Like, it is weird. Like, it is not the way that I've ever had another apple pie made, but it's so much better than a normal apple pie. Laura dices her apples in a way that where like they almost are like the size of, like, I would almost say like if you get like diced potatoes in a can. Yeah, they're about like like half an inch, half an inch size. Um, But I, although I think I've said it on the show before, but this has just turned into a Thanksgiving podcast. Um, I don't eat apple pie. I it's so weird to me. Have a thing. I'm a little bit better about it now as an adult, but as a child. My, I had a very sensitive sense of smell, and as my dad's favorite dessert was apple dumplings, and my mom would make them all the time, and there was something about the smell of the baking cinnamon apple situation, plus my parents just always kept our house really too hot, and I have like a real heat sensitivity, and it would just, it would make me so nauseous, like just to be in the presence of it. It doesn't do that now, obviously, because apple is one of my best-selling pies. So if it was making me nauseous, that would be a real interesting experience. Um, But yeah, I don't eat apple pie. So it's uh, when I started getting really nice compliments about the one that I was making, I was like, I'm going to have to take your word for it because... It's good, y'all. If you're Don't an have apple a clue. pie person, if you're an apple pie person, you have to order this pie from Laura at some point in her in her endeavors because they're so good. I'm sure she'll do something around the holidays, so around Christmas. So keep an eye out for that potentially. So uh, we'll repost it because I think everybody deserves to have one of Laura's pies. So my God, what a what a whirlwind we just went through. I think it's because like there's not really like a ton of like unpacking that I think we have to do like over the course of this last week. Uh, you know, since Friday, the Jackets have played a couple of games and one of them, I don't know how much we want to talk about talking about Swift cheese. I mean, like, yeah, it was a bad time. And, you know, I said this to you before we started recording, but like, it's another, it's a tale of two different teams. Like, the team that showed up on Saturday against Detroit is not the same team and got stomped on and lost six to one is not the same team that showed up yesterday, a whole 23 hours later and beat the Florida Panthers five to three. Like it's just, it is a weird circumstance that and I mean maybe it is like a shame concept like maybe it is the fact that they felt a lot of shame about their performance on Saturday so that like motivated them to be better on Sunday and the thing is is like yes they were better but there's still a lot of iffy things happening on the ice when the Blue Jackets are playing 
And it's getting kind of fresh, especially yesterday. And I'll let Jeremy talk about, I'm giving him permission to talk about kind of the analytics slash data side of things for especially, we're just going to pretend Detroit didn't happen because it was a nightmare. Um, but the it's just bad. Like it's bad. Like on paper, statistically, it's not good. Yeah. So it, I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk about it. Well, and like both games weren't right. Like for the jackets, like obviously did not play the best on Friday. Like they were severely outchanced by Detroit, Detroit, you know, put up six on them, of course, but even in the expected goals total, they were hovering around four. I mean, that was just a game that the Jackets really weren't exceptional at any point in the game. <laughs> and and that sucks because obviously, like, you're hoping, like, first of a home-and-home – you not home-and-home, excuse me, but back-to-back at home. And you kind of know, like, okay, Corby's going to go on Friday, so you kind of know that Terry is going to go on, on Saturday – and, you know, it's something about the way that this team, like, showed up <laughs> against Florida that was confusing. And I think what was even more confusing was, like, the result, like, the final result of the game. Because the reality is, folks, like, the Jackets were, like, severely outchanced, outplayed. I mean, incredibly outshot against Florida. And somehow, some way, it's like that find a way mentality that the Jackets like. It felt like they trademarked in the mid, you know, 2010s, right? Like around the John Tortorella style of hockey, where it was like, you just find a way to win, you find a way to win. Getting outshot 50 to 23, folks, you don't win very many hockey games that way. Getting outshot in the first period by a, like by a total of 18 to 4, 16 to 12 in the second period, and then 16 to 7 in the third period, not going to win you very many hockey games. And Somehow, some way for the Jackets, it did. Going two for two on the power play helps. I'll give them that without a doubt. But the reality is, is this team won this game because of Daniil Tarasov. And on the flip of it, well, the Panthers kind of lost the game because of Sergei Bobrovsky. So, like, it's a very fascinating conundrum that game was to watch. But obviously, it's exciting to see the power play working. It's exciting to see a couple of guys get on the score sheet that, like, have been getting on the score sheet, but it's just nice to see them, see them keep going. And, and you know, what's, what is it? I always say, Laura, it's a lot of things I always say. So let me like, yeah. ask before you like throw yourself into a, into a spiral, but they don't ask how they ask how many. And right now the jackets have added another win to the win column after that game against Florida. And not very many people are going to ask how it happened. They're just going to know that it did. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we always say it doesn't have to pretty, have to be pretty. It just has to count. And like, that is true. It's just, I think there's gonna start putting themselves in some really sticky situations if they can't start improving upon the things that are really crucially not going well, which is like keeping the puck out of our zone, being better defenders in front of our goaltenders, like keeping possession in the neutral zone, like, turnovers are so, like literally I'm a baker friends. Like I'm about to bring over like six dozen turnovers just to be like, hi, this is the kind you want, not the kind that's on the ice. Um, but, and it's just 
the other thing is like we have such an interesting situation with our goaltenders right now. Obviously, Elvis is still injured, and but both Corpy and Tarasov are recovering from the same hip surgery. And here's how you injure your goalies either again or further or worse than anticipated is requiring that they be responsible for upwards of 50 plus shots when the opposing goalie is only getting in the mid 20s. Like the fact, like you look at the difference between Daniil Tarasov and Sergei Bobrovsky, like Bob is a seasoned veteran goaltender. Now, granted, he should be a little flustered by the fact that um, he only faced like 20 some odd shots and we still got five goals. But then you look at Daniil Tarasov, which this is what his seventh, eighth NHL game. And he's just sitting here like literally getting the crap beat out of him with how many shots the Panthers took yesterday. So we just have to be better. And we also have to be better about not taking stupid penalties. Yeah. Like it's, it's one thing to like add a layer of grit and like that sort of angsty, like we want to stand up for each other and like fight for each other and all that sort of stuff. But there's also a time and a place for it on the ice. And over the weekend, there were a couple of penalties that the Blue Jackets took where it's like, that is just not ideal. Like, you need, you can't play like that and play sloppy because when you have to make us a man down, like, and you're already in a terrible situation like we were with Detroit, like, you just can't come back from that. No, and I mean, like, I think, like, especially, like, the way that, like, the penalty that, like, when you say that stands out to me more than any is is the Erica Branson penalty that he took from cross-checking. Um, and I, I think that was, I think that was Sunday's game against, against Florida. But, uh, you know, it's moments like that where you're just, like, it's hard to not get frustrated. And, Laura, while you were, while you were chatting, I went through and, and looked at how many games I had to go back for the Blue Jackets to have led a game and shots on goal. The last time that the Blue Jackets led a game in shots on goal was night one in Tampa Bay, Finland against the Avalanche. Since then, the Blue Jackets have been outshot 45 to 32, 34 to 29, 46 to 29, 37 to 33, 42 to 29, 37 to 28, and 50 to 23 in the last seven games. And what, we've won five of those seven games? Four, but picked up a point in five. And so, huh? Like, it just, like, it's baffling to me, like. But that, it's baffling and also, like, you know, we're never gonna, you know, scoff at a win or whatever, but that's not sustainable play. Like, you want to have people stop getting injured? Like, Y'all, most of our defensemen are Cleveland Monsters players, and that's how it's going to be for the rest of the season because we, like, we're putting ourselves in too many positions to get injured. Correct. And we're not playing smart hockey, and that also allows for injuries. And so they, they really have to tighten it up when they are in their own end or 
we're literally going to be the entire monsters roster. Like, and it will just, someone asked us uh, this and maybe you can touch on it a little bit since you're covering the monsters, but like who the monsters pull from when we take their players. Oh, and yeah. it's like, we're just going <laughs> to just convert whole teams like up. It, like it's insanity. So yeah, yeah they, just, a lot of things need to get, tightened up which there are things that can be tightened up without bringing like without needing to bring back the people who are out that are injured and are returning like right. these are things that this current roster can do because if you live in the mentality like oh we have to wait until patrick is back in or oh we have to wait until adam boquist is back in or oh you know this that or the other thing like uh then they're never gonna they're never gonna get anything done because Patrick's been injured twice now this season and we already know that Adam Boquist is a little tiny china doll made of glass. So like it's just not you can't do that. You have to fix it now with your current roster players. Yeah, yeah, because you never know how long they're gonna be they're gonna be on the bench, those guys that are hurt, but but you know what I know for certain, Laura? That you can win a lot of money with DraftKings? That is true. You can absolutely win a lot of money on DraftKings because hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, to your point about what's going on in terms of what happens down in Cleveland when, when the jackets break. So uh, kind of to this point, you know, it depends on the moment, right? So the monsters and in the AHL specifically do tend to play a majority of their games on the weekend. So when you look at an AHL roster an AHL schedule, excuse me, you'll see like maybe Cleveland has like a handful of like Wednesday night games here or there, maybe a Thursday night game, depending on the week. But overall, usually they're playing the majority of their games on the weekends. So if something happens to the Jackets on a Tuesday, you know, you can make some roster moves that, that don't necessarily affect the Monsters too dramatically. But a few weeks ago, it might have even been last week at this point, when the Jackets, like, had to recall, like, three Monsters, and I think two of which were defensemen, um, the Monsters actually skated a game last week with 13 forwards and five defensemen because the Jackets had depleted them <laughs> of their blue line. And so it does have an effect. And at the end of the day, like the thing that sucks for Monsters fans and like the thing that sucks for the AHL is like, let me tell you who's always going to come first. It's always the big club. It's always the NHL. So there's no consideration in almost any circumstance about what's going on in the AHL. Cleveland has a 10-game winning streak and Karel Marchenko has scored in his last 12. But – the Jackets need a forward. They need a middle six forward and they need them now. Sorry, Kirill. Like, you're up. And obviously teams can, like, 
you know, manipulate that a little bit if they want a guy to stay in Cleveland, get some really good experience. Like, they'll obviously, like, skip over somebody. Like, a perfect example is the Jackets have Billy Sweezy up right now. If you've never heard of Billy Sweezy, that is okay. You are probably not alone. Billy Sweezy, monster. He is actually on a two-way deal, an NHL deal with the Jackets. And so he never really spends much time in the NHL at all. But the Jackets called him up instead of calling up David Juracek, who is somebody who has traditionally been called up, but Billy Sweezy is playing a seventh defenseman role. And obviously right now you don't want that. And the players that you would normally go to for that, I don't know, like a Gavin Bayreuther or a Marcus Bjork are playing because everybody's <laughs> broken. So, I mean, it just makes for a lot of unique circumstances. If the, the monsters need to call somebody up, they actually look at the East coast hockey league which is the ECHL. If you are a Columbus hockey fan and you have been for a while, you're familiar with the Columbus Chill. That's an ECHL team. You're familiar probably if you're a hockey fan now with the Cincinnati Cyclone, the, the Toledo Walleye. Again, all ECHL teams. And so the uh, AHL, or I should say the affiliate for the Jackets in the ECHL is the Kalamazoo K-Wings. So the K-Wings is what they call them, the Kalamazoo Wings. And so only about an hour south of where I'm at right now is where the Blue Jackets have all of their ECHL talent that is currently a part of the organization, or it's also where the Monsters have them. So in the same way that, like, I just mentioned Billy Sweezy's on a two-way deal with the NHL and the AHL, there are also AHL-ECHL contracts. And so that player might not be on an NHL deal. That player is on an AHL deal, but he could get moved down to the E and called back up to the A. Um, I don't know why they don't call the NHL the N. They just don't. <laughs> um, but all of that to say, that's how that works. And you also see a lot of times like Cleveland or another franchise in the AHL will sign a professional tryout with a player who currently doesn't have a team, right? So, like, let's just say, like, I don't know what happened to James Neal and if he ended up signing a contract somewhere overseas or what have you. But I don't think he did. So either. So all of that is to say that if Columbus keeps taking everything from Cleveland, Cleveland could look at a guy like James Neal and say, "Hey, you want a professional tryout contract?" And he plays a couple of games, and then when everybody's healthy, they're like, "We're good on this now." I think so. That happens too. That happens quite a bit. Alex Galchenyuk, who is a former NHLer, he's a, I think he was a third overall pick back in 2013 is actually currently on a PTO with the Colorado Eagles, which is the avalanches uh, AHL team. So it happens a lot. I mean, the AHL teams and their front offices and their coaching staff, like Trent Vogelhuber knows what to do with a, a roster that is ever changing. So they figure it out. They figure it out hardcore. And that's why I think if you can coach in the A, you could probably coach anywhere because it's just so much change all the time. And if you can manage that locker room, I think you can manage any, but but yeah, a very fascinating um, conundrum that the Blue Jackets create when everybody gets hurt. Yeah, and I mean, big shout out to the roster that the Monsters did have in that shorthanded game last week because they still won. Yeah, they did. Like, and, you know, they are definitely finding ways to persevere in this circumstance. And, you know, obviously, I think what's really nice about the Monsters roster is that they seem like a really close-knit group of guys. So they are very supportive of each other and like, you know, understand when someone gets pulled up or whatever. And that's kind of been helpful too, with the number of them we've had to pull up here to Columbus is that they already have like a relationship with each other. Like it's not just us bringing up one person, like we're bringing up like 
two, sometimes three guys at a time. And, you know, it allows them to better assimilate to the situation in Columbus because they have, they, you know, have more familiar faces and they have people that they have either played on lines with already or like whatnot. So it's making that transition, I think, a lot easier um, too. But yeah, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy time. And I don't think it's going to get any less crazy being as we no. haven't even played 20 games yet. Holy shit. This is such a long season. Anyway, uh, to kind of get like wrap up that piece of our show today with like just a little bit of an update for those folks who like may not necessarily follow the monsters too closely. Monsters currently are uh, tied. Like you should because to- Jeremy writes for them. Yeah, except for the fact that Jeremy hasn't written an article since the start of the season, and he really probably needs to do that before he gets told that he can't write articles anymore. Anyway. Um, then there's that. Then there's that. Anyway, the the Monsters are currently sitting at third in the North Division. The top five teams out of the North Division make the playoffs. If you want to laugh, look at the AHL playoff format. It is really confusing and really chaotic. 23 it's garbage. Teams, 23 teams make the playoffs. Anyway. <laughs> um the the weird thing about the monsters though is they currently as we record this episode even though they're uh they're actually tied for second so them and rochester have the same amount of points um cleveland has given up the um the third most goals in the ahl so far this season um, they've given up 62 goals in 15 games, which for those who are keeping track at home is um, not great. It is 15. No, God. <laughs> 15 goals per game. <laughs> bad math. That was really, really bad math. They've given up 4.13 goals per game. Uh, good news. They've scored 62 goals this season, so they're at a net zero, but if it weren't for players like Kirill Marchenko, who's like putting up hella goals or even like a Trey fix who was caught up this week. He Trey fix was named the AHL player of the week this week. And so like, obviously like if we keep losing people in Columbus <laughs> and we keep taking these pieces in Cleveland that have 15 points in the last four games, things are going to get messy. And I'm afraid that uh, Cleveland might not sustain the same amount of success that uh, they obviously hope that they will. Uh, throughout the rest of the season if the jackets keep getting hurt but laura well, maybe maybe in in trade then instead of just having the whatever lineup the monsters have in march they just have the blue jackets come and play the outdoor game since it'll be basically like a 50 50 if not 60 40 circumstance at that point and also play the wilkes bear scranton penguins could they also still do that yeah, no, I definitely that. Like keeping the <laughs> opponent, but I mean, at that point, Fuck it, you yeah. might as well. No, I totally agree. So that's a little bit for you to take note of down in the AHL for those who might be curious on how the season's going down in Cleveland. Um, and maybe we'll sprinkle in one of those like once a week just to kind of like let you know how things are going, just so you can kind of keep keep tabs on your favorite AHL team. But yeah, I mean, looking forward, the Jackets, I mean, they've got a couple of games this week surrounding Thanksgiving. It is cruel and unusual punishment that they make anybody play any sort of sport 
on or around Thanksgiving because who is going to want to skate three miles after having devoured a holiday meal? It's sure as shit not me, and I'm so glad that I don't have to be the one to do it. To whoever does, I'm so sorry for you. Um, but yeah, the Jackets have got a couple of games coming up before our next episode, and they're like, well, first of all, of note, that has nothing to do with the actual game itself. The reverse retro jersey will debut on Wednesday, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. The Jackets will be out there in that black and blue, and uh, that feels really fitting for a season like this, that their reverse retro jersey is black and blue, but... They'll be playing the Montreal Canadiens, which always a good time when they're in town. Mm-hmm. But then the New York Islanders on Friday. Yeah. Oh my it's... god, that's an eight o'clock start. Were we familiar with that? Um, I wasn't until just now, but I am. So I hate that. Why is it okay? Not my not my circus, but. So a couple of games there. Kind of your circus, though. (laughs) Kind of my circus. Um, So obviously a couple of games there against Montreal, New York. I mean, I think it'd be maybe ignorant for me to, like, speculate, like, what we're going to see in those games. I mean, I think it'll be what will be interesting is, like, seeing if Daniil Tarasov gets either of those games. Like, I don't know that he will, but it is going to be interesting to see if, like, they go to court B for both of those games. They might. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. And I don't think that Elvis is going to be healthy by then. And so we'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, obviously, like, Montreal is a fresh opponent. Like, Montreal is a mm-hmm. team that you just played. And what a game that was. Like, so when you look at this one, obviously you hope that 6-4 to four isn't the final stat line. But if it is, you hope that it's the way of the Jackets again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like we've we've seen the Islanders once already um, in New York, and didn't super go our way. So um, <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you just, it's kind of, it's not the one percent better, but it's like when I was texting with Jeremy last night because I couldn't um, watch or listen to the first two periods of the game, and so he was keeping me up to date, and I said. I just want them to do better than they did the night before. Like, I don't expect them to win, but they just need to be better. And so, like, when they got their first goal, I was like, okay. So being better, it would be that they managed to get a second goal. So that was really, like, my, you know, those were my expectations. And they, you know, greatly, you know, surpassed those expectations obviously with getting five goals in the end but and two power play goals as we all know the power play has been long suffering but you know it's just to keep that positivity and to keep you know the momentum to support them during this sort of like extremely up and down tale of two teams you're not sure who's going to show up on what day like what's helping me is keeping this mentality of I just want them to do better than the last game. Even if they win, even if they're coming off a win, just do a little bit better win by two goals, you know, or win, but don't go in like without go, win in regulation. Don't take it into overtime. Well, like there's even, there's even a scenario where like, to me, that's not even like 
result driven. Like it's not win loss driven. They could come out and they could play Montreal on Wednesday and they could lose that hockey game. And I can say with certainty that they could play a better hockey game than they did against Florida because they did not play a good hockey game against Florida. So it's like even doing better for this team right now is confusing because you could win a game on Sunday against Florida and then you could play a team like Montreal on Wednesday, still lose the game. But if you play a full 60 minutes and if you don't get out shot by 27 fucking shots and you actually like are, are pretty neck and neck with chances and it just so happens that you like don't win the game, like obviously that's not the desired outcome. But I think any chance you see improvement, especially in a team right now that is so young – and it's still developing, that's a win. Like it's a even if it's not on paper, I know that people get really upset talking about moral victories, but you can go from losing a game on Sunday and looking pretty rough to losing a game on Wednesday and looking good. And I think that at least for me, I'm content with that. Yeah, no, I would hundred percent agree. And it's yeah, it's it's coming to the terms that this is gonna be a rough a rough season, but finding the ways to make it again. We're such like everything's a learning opportunity people because of our professional backgrounds, but um, it's not a terrible way to look at things. But, and that also doesn't mean that we don't get frustrated or we don't get upset when things go terribly. Cause you know, I'm not one. Jeremy's normally the one to be more like upfront about it. But the other night I was the one on our Twitter and I used the phrase shit show. So, yeah, Laura had it for the Detroit game. So, and it was sadness. It was a shit show. I think you accurately described it when you called it that. Yeah, I mean, looking, I mean, and here's the reality, right? Like, the season has sucked at this point. Like, it's been challenging, but like, having seven wins at this point, like, that's a turnaround in some ways. Like, and I think, like, even looking at the standings right now, like, obviously, like, significantly, like, out of it right now you're seven points behind detroit in the wild card spot having played the same amount of games so like that's not ideal but i mean if you look at the metro like you're two points behind washington who has played two more games than you they are also dealing with a lot of injuries you're only you know you're you're three points back of philly and that's all because of their hot start but they've been challenged in the last few weeks you know, you look at Montreal, and that's a team with 19 points in 18 games. You know, I, I don't know that the Jackets are like – this is not like a totally lost season at this point either. Like, that's the other piece of this is like for as bad as the first few weeks have been – I mean, like, I get I get what people are going to say. They're going to say, no, Jeremy, it's a done season. And I think you're probably right. But, like, I like – technically speaking, this is, this is not a great start, but it's better than it could be. Right. And like we said in the beginning of the show, they haven't even played 20 games yet. There's 82 games in the season. This season is so long. I I forget sometimes that we started our show in a COVID-shortened season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, at this point, we'd be, like, a third of the way done with the season, the first year that we recorded. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, everyone can speculate and say what they want. And I know that there's been a lot of, like, interesting like quote-unquote trade rumors or whatever people looking at our pieces in order you know whatnot but it's still an early on in the season now obviously by the end of December we're not going to be able to use that excuse like you know we will be pretty heavy on into nearing halfway and so um yeah but there's there's still some hope there that we're not going to win the Stanley Cup but like 
you know, we're going to watch some fun hockey, I think. So that's the important part. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun hockey. It's going to be chaotic hockey. It's going to be hockey that might cost Brad Larson his job, but it's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> we're we're going to have a good time. I mean, even when they're getting the ass kicked, I'm sorry, but like seeing another team put up seven goals is sometimes fun if you're like just a hockey fan and you don't like want to throw up every single time it happens like Laura and I probably do but but Laura I have to say before we wrap the show up a couple of things still on my radar so obviously Ellis Merzlikens goes to IR that's not really anything more than just a transaction to be able to bring somebody up um you know Billy Sweezy like we talked about gets called up to be a seventh defenseman I want to go away from the jackets for a second and let you know that I'm getting nervous okay the New Jersey Devils won again tonight, making it 13 wins in a row, which puts them only three games behind the Blue Jackets' streak of 16 games back in the 2016-2017 season. And so somebody better beat New Jersey because I I can't handle that one thing that we have. Granted, we're still one behind the all-time record in Pittsburgh, but still second all-time win streak for the Jackets is in jeopardy. Neil will be insufferable. <laughs> will be? <laughs> I love Neil more than more than the next guy, but I will be. I just we can't I don't have the emotional capacity right now for New Jersey to take that record from us. And let's look. Let's pull it up. New Jersey currently also 16 and 3. New Jersey is yeah. 16 and 3. They are well they are in the drivers. I mean, this is New Jersey and Boston's like conference at this point. Like, they're just absolutely like by far. Which and away. just makes me ill. But yeah, Laura's probably not handling that one well, folks. Sorry for bringing it up. But you look at. I mean, the Devils have definitely been close a couple of times to losing this one. I mean, they went into overtime this weekend against the um, against the Maple Leafs. But let's pull it up. What is, what do the Devils have coming forward? Yeah. What are their next three games? They're going to win their next three games, aren't they? Well, (laughs) I can't say with any certainty they won't. So the one. Well, more so what are their next four games? Because 17 would put them at beating our record. 16, three is tying. Yeah, 17, they would take over. They would tie first with Pittsburgh. Um, So their next four games, and this one is the one that could do it, I think. They play okay. at home against Toronto on Wednesday. Oh. So. So you think Toronto might come in a little extra spicy since they got beat at their home arena? No, probably not. I, I Honestly, New Jersey's probably going to beat them like six to three. Um, they've got Buffalo on Friday. Oh, man. <laughs> They've got Washington at home on Saturday. So back-to-back games, a little bit not rested. Yeah, but Washington's been struggling. I will say their last loss came to Washington at home. Hmm. Washington beat them 6-3. to three. Alexander Ovechkin just, like, gets a double hat trick. He's just like, fuck you all. I'm, set, I'm scoring. I'm getting to 800 tonight. <laughs> um but yeah, and then they've got the Rangers on that following Monday in New York. So I mean, it's definitely not an easy track, like track to seventeen. Mm-hmm. For them. But I mean, I would say Buffalo is probably the only like real given in that situation. 
yeah, Toronto I mean, a little bit. Buffalo, I mean, they've kind of fallen off. They started pretty hot, and th- this is like the tale of their like ways. Is like they start hot, and then like everybody else figures it out, and then they start to suck again. But I will say that Buffalo is not a cupcake either. Like Buffalo is not too bad this year. Tage Thompson's looked really good. You know, Alex Tuck is enjoying being in his hometown. I mean, that that's a good team in their own respect to some ways. So we'll see. We'll see if the Devils do it. I'll be pissed off if they do. I really thought the Oilers had something for him tonight. I was watching that game actually like while I was laying on the couch. And, you know, Mike Skinner just like totally like – is it Mike Skinner? I could make that up. His last name is Skinner. Um, just absolute shit show, dogged it, like literally passed the puck to a devil wide open net like just easy um i don't know it's just bad to watch edmonton really could not figure that out i honestly have been i'm usually pretty on top of the nhl standings like across the entire league i have not been good at it so far this season i think i just have so much going on like that i yeah. just like, have not paid a lot of attention but you you kind of have a lot going on outside of our show and hockey so I'm totally but, okay with the amount of information that you are able to. Thank you obtain. so much. We're pretty abreast of the Blue Jackets, but um, if the season ended right now, just for anybody who's maybe in a situation like me, in case anyone's curious, the playoff teams would be in the East: Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, New Jersey, Carolina, New York Islanders, Detroit, and the Rangers. So that would be your playoffs in the East. In the West. Dallas, Winnipeg, Colorado, Vegas, Los Angeles, Seattle, Calgary, Edmonton. And the Blues have turned around. The Blues are like right back into things. They're nine and eight now after having a really tough start. Yeah. I'm like weirdly proud. And not really weirdly, but I'm just I am proud of Seattle. Like yeah, I, I we've talked about this before. Like there are a couple of teams in the West that I don't mind being a little supportive of. My unpopular one is I don't mind the Avalanche. Like, I don't like – I would never, like, say I'm an Avalanche fan. But, like, if I had to pick somebody in the West, I would either pick Seattle or the Avalanche. Like, I, like, would like to see those teams do well every year. And, like, obviously, like – That's the off-ice commentary stuff, though, for me, too. Like, that's also, like, just yeah. an feeling like they're top class. Um, You know, as, as painful as it can sometimes be, like, it has also been nice. And I hope other Blue Jackets feel this – Blue Jackets fans feel this way too. Just seeing Oliver be able to thrive in Seattle. Um, and like he just had his 400th game the other night and um, he seems to be fitting in quite well. Not that we won't endlessly miss him in Columbus. And we clearly don't want him to do well when they're playing us, but you know, it is it is nice to see him sort of, you know, not sort of, but like easily transition because that was a, a huge transition. So easily transition for our beloved Oliver. Yeah, and I will say he is he is at least consistent in the sense that he does. He is a streaky goal scorer. He only has one goal this season. So um, but he's got uh, nine points total. He's got eight assists, so he's got nine and 18. So he's got a ways to go to make up. I mean, last year was a career year for him with 28 goals and 29 assists, both career highs. But um, he's got a way to get, ways to go to get to that. But he had nine power play goals last season. His one power, his one goal so far this season in Seattle is is a power play goal. So uh, 
yeah, always interesting to stay a tra- on track with Oliver. I mean, the other thing too is like in the last one, two, three, four, four seasons, actually, in only one season in Oliver Bjorkstrand's career, did he shoot at less than a ten percent like margin? Like he mm. he scored ten percent of his goals in every season but two, and that is the 2017-2018 season, and then currently this season. Currently this season, he has a one point eight percent shoot like shooting percentage not great not great it is what it is um but he last year he had a shooting percentage of uh 13 13 percent of his shots went in the back of the net so he'll pick it up but that's enough about the other the rest of the league (laughs) yeah at least at least he's playing i'm not sure uh if cam is gonna see the ice oh man in a real way well, it's not like Jakob Vjoracek is Vjoracek. That was an interesting way to say his last name. It was. Jakob Vjoracek. It's not like he's playing any more games. So the comparison lives on. That is true. That is true. But Rora, um, what else is on your radar bringing it back to Blue Jackets land? For, not for a ton. I mean, not a ton other than the fact that, like, we are making our grand return to Nationwide Arena this week. Um our first couple of games since the home opener so i'm very excited about that i'm very excited to to see some of our hockey friends that we haven't seen in a long time uh, well i haven't seen you went to finland with them but um so i'm excited for that i'm excited for you to be home in ohio and get to experience my hot mess of a life in person rather than just over the phone so you know I'm just I'm excited to experience a little live a little live hockey. This yeah, week. It'll, it'll be good, and hopefully, hopefully the results are good because I don't know that either one of us can deal with them being bad. Um, but I will say just real quick before we wrap up the show, we tweeted about it, but want to draw attention to to a situation revolving hockey in Columbus, um, just of the scarlet and gray variety, and specifically, um, you know, I'm gonna potentially butcher a name here and so forgive me if i do um but jagger joshua is a a michigan state hockey player and a couple of weekends ago ohio state traveled to east lansing to take on the michigan state spartans and i want to say ohio state lost both of those games that doesn't matter uh the thing that matters is that uh jagger made a statement today which also ironically enough Dakota Joshua is Jagger's brother and he played at Ohio state. So there's a little, this like goes a little deeper. Um, but essentially Jagger Joshua released a statement that said on November 11th in our game against Ohio state, one of their players called me a racial slur multiple times. One of the officials heard the slur and gave the player a game misconduct penalty. There is an investigation by the big 10 in the days after the incident, but no further public action has been taken by the big 10 conference or Ohio state. Uh, the inaction has left me feeling confused and pessimistic about the movement of diversity within hockey culture. The ignorance of racism does not belong in our game. And I feel that I need to make people aware that this incident occurred because without acknowledgement, the problem gets worse. And so uh, obviously Jagger Joshua, very, very brave and really unfortunate that he has to be courageous in that moment, but grateful for his courage coming forward and sharing that Michigan state also coming up in a big way too. 
Um, the vice president and director of athletics, Alan Holler, said Michigan State Athletics stands with uh, Jagger Joshua and commends him for having the courage to speak up against racial injustice. As a department, we are committed to providing opportunities for all student athletes to compete in a space free from discrimination, racism, or hate. And then Michigan State head coach, uh, Adam Nightingale said at Michigan State, we are committed to a safe and welcoming space for our student athletes. It is important to me that all student athletes feel comfortable and supported in our locker room and in our program. I am proud to have Jagger Joshua on our team. And so those are the kind of things that like, I think, especially for me, like, and I know that you can relate to this too, having worked in higher education, like, those are the kind of things that like I could think of how all this plays out on a college campus. Like, cause I, I work on a college campus. I have students that I work with that are members of the Grand Valley hockey team. Like and I think through like moments like that and just like how challenging it would be for any one of my students to have to process that, to go through that while also being a student athlete. Like that is so challenging on top of the fact that there's just not space. I, I mean, like, actually let me, let me be radical here. There's clearly space for this in hockey because it continues to find its way in like, right. Like I think you and I are very progressive in our like thought of like, there isn't space for this. Clearly there is like, clearly there is space for racism, bigotry and hatred in hockey. And very clearly it demonstrates itself here in this situation. It's demonstrated itself in many other instances as well. And the hockey diversity Alliance also spoke up on this, like shared this. Um, and I'm not telling you to do your research, but uh, only one player got a game misconduct in that game. So feel free to click away if that's something that that you're really interested in hearing. Laura put it very eloquently when she said, we don't have Ohio State lawyer money. And she's not wrong. (laughs) So we're not going to say his name. But you can look it up. Um, And I almost would encourage you to do so. So, um, so Laura, I obviously want to give you space to just any thoughts that you have on the matter. But I, I know for a fact that we are in agreement here. Yeah, no, absolutely. We are, you know, we talked about it prior to recording and prior to posting it on our social media. And, you know, if you've been with us for a a while, you know, that the the fight for social justice um, in life in general, but specifically within this sport and within the sporting community is one of the reasons why we started doing this show. And, um, like Jeremy said, clearly there is space for this because action is not being taken. And for a system as big as the Big Ten, um, as a university uh, as large as Ohio State, um, they should not be taking this lightly. And as a city that supports Ohio State so vehemently, Um, Like, I know there's going to be tens of thousands of you standing outside in the rain on Saturday, you know, as the football team takes on Michigan. Like, you should want better from the people that represent that institution that you support so much. Just like we always want better from the people who play as Blue Jackets or play in the NHL in general. Like, we're not saying all these things just because we want to, like, we truly do want better. And there's absolutely no reason why your choice of chirping someone or saying whatever needs to be a racial slur or a derogatory comment in general. Like, it's 2022, people. Like, if you haven't seen the things play out with Mitchell Miller or I never remember the kid from Montreal, like, 
all these sorts of things, like it's slowly but surely, but there's just not space for this kind of behavior. And we should be making sure that people know that we don't want there to be like, just because someone's good at a sport doesn't mean, doesn't give them the, um, Per, doesn't give them permission to just act a fool all the time and say whatever the hell they want. Like, so, so yes, if you, you know, need to see more about his statement, which also Jaeger shouldn't have had to make a statement in general. He is the victim in this circumstance. Um, but he felt so much like he was not being treated correctly or, and that the, seeing absolutely no response from the Big Ten or Ohio State, like, he had to make this publicly known. Yeah, without a doubt. And honestly, I hope it gets even more attention referring to exactly what you said. It's a big weekend in Ohio State athletics. And I know for a fact that the last thing that that institution wants is for this to be be so, so forefront of people's minds when – the national attention and really like even bigger than that is going to be on Columbus this weekend. And so, you know, you obviously hope for better for the people and for the teams and for the institutions that you care about, but Ohio state fucked this one up and they need to unfuck it up and they need to unfuck it up big. And so it was a big 10. And uh, obviously again, uh, just sending a lot of like healing energy to Jagger. And I know that that is not anywhere near enough, but Obviously, we send that. And if you're somebody who is affected and continues to be affected by racial disparities and, and prejudice and bigotry and hate, um, just know that we appreciate you and we love you and we see you and we'll always continue to speak up when we feel we need to. So, um, Laura, is there anything else on your radar? No, I think that's everything. Well, good news. Twitter is still alive. And so you, my friend, can tell the good folks where they can find us. And you can include Twitter. I can, yes. So you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook and TikTok at Subjectively Speaking, as well as YouTube. That's also our YouTube name. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, about the show, or just get links to all of the things that I am talking to you about, you can check out our beautiful website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. If you want to, you know, help support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some super sweet merch in return, um, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com. I actually have something coming from that this week, so I'm very excited to get my own merch. Um, but we will be adding more things over the course of the next month or so when Jeremy's life isn't quite so hectic. Uh and then hopefully a couple of new things. We are having lunch with our graphic designer on Wednesday. So maybe we'll slip in a little bit of shop talk when we're with Steven. But, and then lastly, um, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, uh, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. Um, it is our favorite number. And again, we don't know how the algorithm works. We just know things like, likes and shares and comments and subscriptions and stars and all that sort of craziness um, helps for us to get noticed in the hockey podcast charts, as well as bring more people into this um, wonderful community that we are building. And so other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. And normally this is when I do my cute little close out, but uh, 
the Big Ten just released a statement about the um, about the Jagger Joshua situation that is pretty fucking asinine. And so I'm gonna just go ahead and read that. Hopefully that inspires people to then use all of the things that you just said to be pissed off and say something. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with that. So the Big Ten Conference is committed to providing our student-athletes inclusive environments free from acts of harassment or discrimination in any form. The safety and well-being of our, our campus communities remains our top priority. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read the paragraph after that that, like, diminishes all of that. Um, the conference office collected and evaluated information from the Big Ten Conference ice hockey officiating crew, the Ohio State University, and Michigan State University, and available video footage stemming from an incident involving ice hockey student-athletes from both member institutions at Munn Ice Arena in East Lansing on November 11, 2022. Um, the conference supports the decision by the official to levy a game misconduct penalty on OSU Due to the absence of indisputable evidence presented to the conference, the conference has not imposed further disciplinary action. The conference is dedicated to listening and learning from our student-athletes and our Equality Coalition. We will continue to work together to constructively and collectively create inclusive, empowering, and accountability resources for our member institutions. Huh? Before we make this episode an hour and 20 minutes, huh? Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, how can you support an official's decision to make a game misconduct call and not feel like there's enough evidence to hold further action against the player. Yeah, that should definitely be up for consideration of suspending a couple of games of requiring like some form of, you know, educational situation. These are institutions to higher education. Like, you know, it's not uncommon for a consequence for a college age student to be that they have to attend some form of training or a class of some sort because you should not want this behavior from your students. So don't just have the official in the game give him a game misconduct when he is actively, and you have video evidence of him using a racial slur towards another player. Like that should be, as we always say, an educational moment. Like our learning opportunity. Because if you if you don't do anything, he's just gonna keep doing it, but he's gonna find other ways so that he doesn't get caught. Cause all you're doing is telling him, Oh, well, you were too loud about it and you got yourself caught, but all you got is a game misconduct penalty. We're not gonna hold you accountable for your actions. Mm-hmm despicable it's despicable um god that pisses me off so much okay anyway take with that information what you will folks speak out i don't care if it's your beloved scarlet and gray fuck it like just say something and if you're not pissed off about it like do some evaluation self-reflection but until next time (laughs) um please make sure that you take care of yourselves take care of one another Call out racist behavior in your workplace, in your school, in your family, and around your Thanksgiving table. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.